So I will be giving um, a presentation on the history of our solar system tonight, according to Ra and Kuo in Confederation. Um, this I gave a presentation. This is part of another larger presentation I did a while ago, um, but we've since received a lot more information on the history of our solar system. Um, so this would be a good refresher. And then uh, this is also new to those of us who are new to the Law of One or new to the group. So sort of a, a brief overview. So in total, there have been four planets to host life in our solar system. And there is one that is currently um, that has the potential to advance to other the densities. Um, our sun, our soap logos, chose the bipedal of red grade eight vehicle to invest their density consciousness in, which means that all four planets that have hosted life, uh, Venus, Maldek, Mars, and Earth, have all had some form of grade eight that was native to their second density that eventually became um, the third density vehicle on their planets. And they also had opposable thumbs. Um, there has definitely been a common theme of bellicosity in war throughout our solar system, which we will discuss. So first up, we have Venus. Venus is the second planet from the sun. It is currently a sixth density planet, but is currently inhabited by fifth density entities. So Earth isn't the only planet in our solar system at this space time that has life. Venus still has life to this day, but it is the fifth density. The population on Venus at the end of the third density was 38.5 million, and 68.5 million of those souls went on to form these social memory complex of raw, and which means that 32 million went on to repeat their density, which I always thought was interesting being that Venus is such a harmonious, was, was such a harmonious planet that not even half of the population went on to harvest positively, and that the sinkhole of indifference still remains to be the majority, um, the kind of the route that a majority of a third density population takes. Uh, Venus is Ra's home planet and their origin, and one of the earliest planets in our solar system, if not the first to host intelligent life. Um, their third density concluded 2.6 billion years ago, which can um, coincided with the beginning of Earth's second density. So during Ra's entire civilization, Earth was a lifeless planet pretty much and probably was of no great interest to them, if they even looked beyond their planet. Ross says that on, in the physical sense, Venus was a harshly bright planet with conditions that we would consider to be difficult. Ross did share with us what they physically looked like, and this is a form that they also came to and appeared to the Egyptians too. Ross says that we were tall and somewhat delicate. Our physical body complex covering, which you call the integument, had a golden luster. So in other words, they were tall, slim, and had golden skin. They enjoyed a slightly thinner veil, which afforded them things such as using the dream state to better process catalysts and things of such. Um, they, that the thinner veil enjoyed them, allowed them to enjoy that, and also was probably caused um, caused the rapid evolution. And they had successful harvest during all three minor harvests within their density. Their density is comprised of three minor twenty five thousand year harvest, and Ra was able to successfully bring a harvest each minor cycle. They were a more harmonious and philosophical society, and they developed the tarot. Ross says that the third density experience of those of Venus dealt far more deeply and harmoniously with what you would call relationships with other selves, sexual energy transfer work, and philosophical or metaphysical research. The product of many, many generations of work upon what we conceive to be the archetypical mind produced the tarot, which was used by our peoples as a training aid in developing the magical personality. So pretty much Ra's third density civilization um, revolved around love, relationships, um, philosophy, and sex, which I don't know about y'all, but those are my kind of people for sure. And I think it's also um, funny that our that our correlation or what we attribute to Venus, you know, with the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans and civilizations, the attributes that they attributed, you know, to the planet or the goddess Venus is pretty much spot on in correlation to Ra's third density civilization. So I always thought that that was kind of cool. Um, Ra tells us about a event that happened in the second cycle of their third density in which two positive fifth density wanderers incarnated and ended up flipping their polarity. They came in as positive fifth density wanderers, but ended up flipping their polarity and graduated to the negative fourth density. 
And so how this happened was Ross says that from the viewpoint of wisdom, their third density society had a overabundance of love. And there was a portion of their society who felt that that overcompassion, overabundance of love was too sickening or too passive, you know, too pitying. And so there was a portion of the population that wanted to polarize positively. But like I said, they just felt that the overabundance of compassion was not the route that they wanted to take. And so these two positive fifth density entities saw those who were still in darkness or who were still kind of neutral or a negative orientation and felt that they could incarnate and provide a more wisdom oriented approach to seeking the creator and um, polarizing positively. And so they did that. But as we all know, with the nature of their density comes the veil and upon incarnating, they forgot their original plan. And they did do the work that they intended to do. However, the resorts weren't what they originally intended. And so Ross says that they incarnated one as female, the other one is male. And they both started to work and they found each other and started working together. And soon they found about them a crowd. They had an audience. Um, they had a group of followers that believed that the specific wisdoms and things that they had to offer could advance them towards the creator. And so what ended up happening was they fell into very service to self tendencies and actions. And Ross says that they used control over others as well as domination unto the physical death. And so Don asks, you know, how could these two positive wanderers flip their polarity on a planet like Venus? And Rod tells us that because Venus was very, you know, harmonious and very unused to slaughter, that the actions and what these two wanderers caused was so, I guess you can say, so life-changing or dramatic for the sphere that that allowed them to flip their polarity so easily on Venus. Ross says if these two wanderers were on Earth, they would just be considered ruthless tyrants who started a holy war. But on a sphere like Venus, who was very much used to the other and aggression, this um, is what allowed these wanderers to flip polarity. After leaving their third density incarnation, they, the veil was lifted and they realized that they had ended up in fourth density negative, which is not what they wanted. And so they eventually retraced their steps and were able to rejoin positive time space. And they later on um, joined Raw's social memory complex. So Ross says that they, um, upon graduating to fourth density, six and a half million souls graduated to positive fourth and they became raw. Uh, Ross says that they accelerated pretty quickly through the fourth density because they already entered fourth density with a great wealth of love and compassion. Um, this um, ironically caused them to spend a lot more time in fifth density because they had to balance the over-compassion that they had gained in fourth density with wisdom. So they spent a lot more time. And so Ra is currently at this time space in the sixth density, and they tell us that they have two and a half million years left um, in sixth density, which means that they have traversed the majority of sixth density and is almost to the graduation point of seventh density. All right, moving on next, we have Maladek. So Maladek uh, was the fifth planet from the sun, and it currently exists as the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. So, you know, growing up in school, our teachers tell us the asteroid belt was pretty much a ring of the debris from the, um, the formation of our solar system. Part of that is true, and other part of it is it is the remnants or the debris of Maladek when they destroy their planet. Ross says that the cycle started early on Maldet due to the planet being able to host early, uh, being able to host first density life forms early on. So Maldet is kind of one of those overachiever planets. He was like, hey, look at me, I can host life pretty early. Ross says that their society had uh, service to self thoughts, ideas, and actions that they believe to be sincerely service to others. Um, so their actions and a lot of what they did were service to self, but their belief structures persuaded them and caused them to believe that such actions and beliefs were service to others. And then Don asked if Maldek hadn't destroyed itself, would it have gone on to be negative? And Ross says that they had in common with our sphere a mixture of energies and that some of the population was positive, some neg negative. So if Maldek had not destroyed itself and had continued on to graduation or the 13th city harvest, they more than likely would have had a mixed harvest. Now the destruction of Maldek. Um, Maldek was destroyed through the use of scientific and spiritual knowledge along with nuclear and crystal powered weapons 705,000 years ago. 
And so in a recent channeling, a questioner asked Huo, was the destruction of Maladek intentional or was it simply just a byproduct, a byproduct of war? And this is what Huo had to say. The type of what has been described as weaponry, while we may not explore this in a technological sense, may better be viewed as an exploration and a study of the inner workings of the planet itself and how a population upon a planet's surface may influence the very dynamic, meaningful, and living processes beneath the surface of the planet, extending down deep to its very core. This was both a technological and spiritual understanding that was gained that then allowed for the destruction of the planet itself. And the tendencies towards the suicidal notion were very much present in the inception of the destruction. So pretty much the Maldekians had studied or gained the knowledge of how intricately tied a planet and the population on a planet um, are tied and connected. And they used that in intentionally destroying the planet. So the destruction of Maldek was not just a byproduct of war, it was intentional, which is crazy for me to think. And so after this, and because this was a planetary-wide destruction, not a single entity escaped. And upon the destruction, the entire um, social complex was caught in what Ra calls a tangle or a knot of fear. Ra says some of your time passed, no one could reach them, and no beings could aid them. Ra also tells us that the peoples of Maldek had a civilization somewhat similar to that of the societal complex known to you as Atlantis, and that it gained much technological information and used it without the care for the preservation of their sphere. After the destruction of their planet, um, 600,000 years ago, the Confederation deployed a social memory complex to attempt to untie the knot of fear. Like I said, the mass planetary destruction pretty much rendered every entity unconscious, and they were caught in that tangle of fear, not a fear for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, eventually, a member of the Confederation was to, uh, able to reach them and start untying that knot, and they collectively regained consciousness. And so upon regaining consciousness, the, the Maldekians collectively came to, were brought to the inner planes of Earth 500,000 years ago. And when they all collectively regained consciousness, they all agreed that they had to alleviate their karma somehow. And so they chose to do this. And by placing their third density consciousness in one of the races of Bigfoot that we have on this planet. Ross says that the allevi alleviation mechanism was designed by the placement of this consciousness in second dimensional physical chemical complexes, which are not able to be dexterous or manipul manipulative to the extent which is appropriate to the workings of the third density distortions of the mind complex. So pretty much to put that into human words, the Maldekians all elected to place their third density consciousness in a second density vehicle that wouldn't allow them to act out aggression or destruction they were still they were still third density conscious but like i said in a um, second density vehicle that was not conducive to acting out all of the negative actions of a third density mind and so this occurred like so all occurred five hundred thousand years ago and some of them are still around in, in these bigfoot bodies and dwell in our deeper underground passageways now, as Earth's third density approached, some of them um, were able to alleviate their karma and some of them joined Earth's density um, at the beginning. And uh, many of them have gone elsewhere. Now, a lot of them have reincarnated and it have, been, um, have given an attempt at a second chance to use nuclear power responsibly. Ross says that some of those involved um, with the invention of the nuclear bomb, some of them were Maldekians reincarnated. And that was um, their second chance at using nuclear energy peacefully instead of destructively. All right, next up, we have Mars. Mars is the fourth planet from the sun. And the core vibration, it was stopped at mid-third density and is currently undergoing Hitler. Uh, we know from the raw context that Mars was home to a fiery, progressive, and bellicose society, and that they had different factions and practiced different forms of government that warred against each other, which is, you know, we see here on Earth today, and that resulted in their planet becoming inhospitable. <clears throat> um, in a recent quote channeling, a questioner asked, quote, if the destruction of Mars was gradual or if it uh, happened instantaneously, and this is what Quo had to say. We can say that the bellicose attitudes and the intention of aggression and harm between various populations on the planet of Mars led to a scenario in which there was a gradual decline in the biosphere due to literal destruction of ecosystems. 
this gradual decline was exacerbated as energies escalated and weaponry and attitudes became far more destructive in nature as a desire for destruction grew. Thus, you may see a slow decline of both ecosystem and population for a matter of time that eventually that eventually concluded with a singular event that spawned a much quicker decline. That being what you experience as a matter of months because of weaponry, weaponry that disrupted a central aspect of the planetary ecosystem being that life-giving force of water and the cycle of water. Through this disruption of the cycle of water, there was a chain of events that unfolded in which the ecosystem itself deteriorated <clears throat> and the soul of the planet, as you may understand it, faded, thus resulting in a deterioration of what you would recognize as a magnetosphere thus solidifying the lack of ability of life to again take grasp upon this planet. We, we reiterate that this catalyst of destruction is continuing to be processed and explored upon your own planet and within your own population. And you may draw correlations between what you witness upon your planet currently and its relationship to the, to the planet as an ecosystem with what unfolded upon the red planet. So pretty much um, the destruction of Mars is gradual, and that they were destroying each other and each other's ecosystems. And then eventually they had some form of weaponry that disrupted the planet's water cycle and closes within a matter of months that pretty much wrapped up life on Mars. And after the Martians disrupted their um, planet's ability to host life, they were then transferred to Earth by Yahweh, uh, which I'll get into next. All right, and next up we have Earth. Now, Earth, I could give an entire presentation all on its own, so I definitely couldn't fit everything um, within just, you know, a slide or two. So I just put a few highlights on here. So Earth, as we know, it is our home and is the third planet from the sun. Earth is currently a fourth density planet, but is currently inhabited by both third density and fourth density entities. And our population is 8 billion, and our harvest um, at the end of the transition is to be determined. The Earth's third density concluded during the winter solstice of 2012 and has since been transitioning into fourth density. Rod tells us that Earth is comprised of 16 planetary influences who, who have, who are repeating third density here, which has been the cause of the array and diversity of cultures. And this is not common. Um, usually a planet evolves with its original stock from second density into the third density and goes on about without any outside you know, visitors or outside third density repeaters. But, you know, there are many different reasons a third density planet has to repeat their density. And so 16 groups saw Earth as a fitting candidate for repeating their third densities. And this mixture of archetypal minds, because each sub-logos or each solar system has a different archetypical mind. And combining all of that together, combining all of these different planetary influences has caused, like I said, an array of cultures, but has also caused the array of difficulties and aggression and by the costing that we've seen throughout our entire planet's history. Because we have so many different groups, so many different, like I said, archetypal minds and third density repeaters all here trying to figure it out. So when the Martians destroyed um, their planet's ability to host life, at around the same time, coincidentally, Earth was beginning its third density. And so Mark Yahweh, who is a Earth guardian, had a lot of care and love for the Martians and pretty much sought um, permission to transfer the souls of the Martians to Earth. And they were granted that opportunity. And so what they did was they genetically altered the great eight body that was available for third density at that time. Because like I said, Earth's third density was just beginning. There was a great eight vehicle available for third density consciousness, but Yahweh looked on that and wanted to improve it. And so Quo says um, they did this by articulating facial features a bit more carefully by altering the set of the body so it would be able to stand upright and by improving the dexterity of the physical vehicle, especially in the hands, and by creating a larger capacity within the mind that came with that biological species. In essence, they created a new and improved great A body, which looked a good deal like the one you are now enjoying. Now, what happened with this new and improved body is when the Martians incarnated, uh, the differences were obvious because there were other great ape species on Earth that existed alongside the Homo sapiens. And so the Martians incarnated and they, they could tell that they were better than, and that gave them a better than attitude, which as we know is 
you know, more service to self-thinking, and that allowed Orion to then enter the chat because the Martians had, had developed this kind of mentality. And so Yahweh and a lot of other Confederation members saw that as a mistake and felt that the Martians, uh, their free will had been infringed. And so thus they instituted the quarantine, which pretty much um, keeps higher density uh, entities from freely coming into Earth. They either have to ask the Council of Saturn for permission to come and contact us, or they have to take advantage of the random window effect that happens within the quarantine. The lifespan at the beginning of our third density, and in general, it was 900 years. And this was greatly shortened because we were not processing catalysts. We were not using those 900 years effectively and effectively processing catalysts. And so our lifespans have significantly dropped from 900 years to what now is probably between 80 and 90 years. Um, there has been various contact with the planet from the Confederation. Ross says that um, visitations to the planet started about 4 million years ago, but that the first Confederation contact was with those of Mu, which for those of you who aren't familiar, Mu was a continent that predates Atlantis. Um, they were pretty advanced spiritually, and their, um, their continent was submerged underwater, not due to any actions of their own like Atlantis, but there were just natural shifts that were happening in the Earth that caused their continent to submerge. And so the Confederation was called and contacted them. The Confederation was also called um, to Atlantis, South America, and we all know that we're all walked amongst the Egyptians um, 11, over 11,000 years ago. And then as I mentioned earlier, Earth is currently transitioning into the fourth density. Back during the um, channelings, Raw gave an estimate of 100 to 700 years um, we don't know where we fall in that now, but Earth is currently transitioning. All right, for honorable mention, we have Uranus. Uranus is the seventh planet from the sun, and its core vibration currently is first density. Raw tells us that the planetary entity known to you as Uranus is slowly moving through the first density and has the potential of moving through all the densities. So right now, Uranus is currently in the state of trying to wake up. And if it does, then it will progress and evolve into second density and then possibly third density. Um, for those of us who have astronomy knowledge, we know that as the sun gets older, it expands. And so heat will be pushed more out into the outer reaches of our solar system. So it's my personal theory that here in maybe two, between two and four billion years from now, as our sun gets older, it will expand and Uranus will warm up. And I personally believe that that warming up will help kickstart Uranus advancing through first density. And in a matter of a few billion years, Uranus could be the next planet with their density life in our planet. And those of us on Earth will be a social memory complex by that point, and we may be of service to them as raw is to us. Another planet that gets honorable mention is Saturn. Uh, the Council of Saturn is located here. Ross says that the planet known as Saturn has a great affinity for the infinite intelligence and thus it has been dwelled upon in its magnetic fields of time space by those who wish to protect your system. And so I put um, Confederation HQ because the Council of Saturn is based here. So it could be the headquarters of the Confederation. We're not exactly sure, but I assume some way it would be since, like I said, the Council who pretty much oversees all of the uh, daily activities and everything of the Confederation our station. All right, and that is the end. So next we have uh, the 30 minutes left. Does anyone have any questions or time for discussion or anything? That was wonderful. Wow. Great job. Thank you. You spent some amazing time on those screens, too. Uh, thank you for that service. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things I wanted to throw out, but it'll come to me in a second. I, but I, I do, for some of you that are, have been toying around with the Law of One for a while, was this new information for you? Or was Do you have some questions regarding that? And others who are brand new in the Law of One, how do you uh, resonate with some of this? <laughs> Rudy, um, so, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Rudy asked a question. Uh, can you say any more about the 16 representatives on Earth? Is there a list somewhere? So off the top of my head, um, we don't have a list of the locations of all 16 planets, 
But Rob has said um, that some of those that are included in the 16, of course, would be Mars and Maldek. Um, And then we have those from the star system of Deneb. Their planet was unable to continue in their density because of their star. Their star, I guess, grew to a certain age, was old, and caused the planet to not be able to support their density life. So they collectively chose to come here to Earth. Um, the Deneb star system and their, uh, I want to say... Sirius was another one that was mentioned. There was there was there's many planets in Sirius, but there was one particular planet that they destroyed their planet through aggressiveness and came here. Um, so those are just a few that were mentioned. And what I also understand is <clears throat> there was a root stock at the very beginning of seventy five thousand that was I, I don't think it was the sixteen. I thought it was something like twelve, but then. Um, as time went on and there was no movement towards harvest, nobody in the first major cycle or the second major cycle, with the exception of 150 people at the end of the second major cycle, uh, was even harvestable. So they the quarantine was lifted a little bit. The Council of Saturn brought in and some other people. And also by that time, the Maldekians were able to come in uh, in greater numbers as well. So I think at the end we do have something like 16 that are coming in and you got to you got to know that uh earth is I think they said that was one fourth of our souls are from second density 50% are coming from the Mars group this is at the very beginning of 75,000 years and then one fourth are coming from the yeah. other array of uh planets coming in but we, we are a mixed right. harvest. So we've got people that are highly negative and just didn't quite make the harvest into fourth density negative. So they're here really negative. We have people who are very positive, but didn't quite make the, the harvest in their planet that went to fourth density. So they're here. We have a whole bunch of wanderers here that are fourth, fifth and sixth density that are here to help midwife this planet. And then we also have the vast majority who are unpolarized in two ways. One way is that they haven't made the choice of polarity yet. Or two is they've made the choice, but they have not, um, they depolarize. And so they're unpolarized enough to make the harvest. Um, So we are a big motley crew. That's right. So that that was a lot of information. It was really interesting. I I try to take some pictures of it just so I can, you know, reference a little bit. Um, so there's a lot. If you um, back to a pull up a slide, I can't for sure. Yeah, no, I don't think right now. I, although I didn't, I did miss getting the slide of the Earth's part because I was uh, forgot to. There's a lot going on. I guess my question is: I heard you say that. What happened with Mars? I think I heard you say we should pay. T- we could play. The Earth should pay close attention to because, kind of what I heard. I maybe what I, maybe I misheard, but it it, it kind of sounded like you said what happened on Mars could happen on Earth. So we should pay attention to kind of what the problems and things that they is that is that kind of what they said. Uh, correct. So pretty much they said that what happened on Mars is happening on Earth. And the reason for that is a planetary population, they bring with them their biases. And so when the Martians come here, they brought with them their biases towards aggression, bellicosity, and that which has been part of our planet's history of war and, you know, empire and all of that. A lot of those energies stem back to Mars. And Ross says that the at the very beginning of our third density, the greatest majority of the Martians incarnated in the Middle East. So a lot of what we've seen play out throughout history in the Middle East, and even what we're seeing now between Palestine and Israel, a lot of there are a lot of Martians involved in that conflict. And these energies that we're seeing played out today in 2024 go all the way back to Mars. Because Kuo tells us that sometimes entities they get stuck in a cycle. And even after reincarnation, after reincarnation, they just kind of get used to aggression. So a lot of those Martians have just fallen into a cycle of regression and war, and we're seeing that still play out on our planet, as well as the whole ecosystem thing. Because Quo says that they gradually destroyed ecosystems, and we're seeing that on our planet now. We're warring against each other and destroying ecosystems. 
unfortunately on Mars, they went too far and screwed up their water cycle. And that's what pretty much was the camel, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, you know, I've come a long way in a lot of things I've thought, although I've never been real extreme necessarily. But one of my thoughts is, I think there's a few ways that we could we could be destroying our planet, right? And one is a like nuclear war type situation, and another is just not taking serious, I guess, right? Taking care of the planet in in certain ways. But so, did they talk about how us taking care of the planet would, or like if? if so I, I guess I'm confused if Mars, if they if they destroyed it by just like like what we have done with the environment and and polluting and all that kind of stuff, or if that was talked about much. Um, I'm are you are you asking if I'm sorry? Can you rephrase the question for me? Yeah, I guess I, my sorry. That was a there's a lot going through my head. I, I, I kind of see two ways we can destroy the planet in my head. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but one is like, boom, a bunch of wars, nuclear war or explosions or, or whatever. Then there's also the slower, maybe, where we have been, you know, polluting slowly, messing up the atmosphere and all those kind of things. Are, are both of those an aspect of how we could be slowly destroying the planet? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. And in Mars's case, they had kind of both. They had a gradual... Um, decline, and then they have some a more of an instant decline. So both of them kind of working together to destroy Mars. And the main thing that happens, whether it's through a war or a nuclear event, or just through uh, industrial induced climate change, is that we, uh, you know, screw up our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, the atmosphere. You know, probably there's multiple levels of atmosphere when it comes to densities, but just on a physical level, you know, we have an oxygen, oxygen carbon cycle and it's been what's created a utopia <laughs> on this planet on some level. And as we break that cycle where, you know, we can um, basically suffocate ourselves, you know, it can happen slowly or it can happen quick. We don't know it's happening actually. You know, we're, we're destroying the vegetative skin of the planet and out of the vegetative skin of the planet, the atmosphere came and biological life came and, you know, all these entities were able to take root here. Exactly. It's interesting, um, Matt and Peter, you, you bring that up because Ra also tells us that there are a lot of the people on Earth currently who have a great care for the planet. A lot of them destroyed their planets in their previous third density. So a lot of the people we see, you know, who, who are hug trees or who are green thumbs who just really love, you know, or advocate for the preservation of our planet, a lot of them destroy their planets previously, but have since alleviated that karma, have balanced and learned their lesson. And so now one part of one of their alleviation mechanisms is caring for the current their current urgency home, which is Earth. So that's also something that's very interesting. A lot of these people that we see fighting for, you know, climate change and fighting for the care of our planet, they've learned their lesson because they did, they destroyed their urgency. Right, right. Very interesting. You know, I'd like to make some observation, uh, DeMarcus. Uh-huh. I mean, what you what this is from these uh, channeled entities is really an origin story. Right. For, for life on the planet. And it's an origin story that's more modern that came in the, um, what years was this channeled? Um, the original raw contact, uh, 81 to 85. Okay. So it's an origin story channeled in the West in English in a modern context. So that's interesting to me. And, but, but also makes me think about the other origin stories that are out there historically, you know, that different cultures have brought in. And I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it just makes me think about that. And you can have, uh, you know, collective origin stories, like where the planet came from, where your nation came from, where your people came from. And um, I think it's something that you discover, you know, there's more to unfold on it. 
you know, it's hard to get the whole story at once. You know, if you if you go and look at the ancient Indian scripture, which is some of the most ancient, you know, we could say channeled scripture because it's cognized, you know, through subjective consciousness. You know, they have all types of stories about different types of beings that, you know, that were um, have influenced the creation. But but obviously they were communicated in a different time and space in a different language but there must be some type of coordination between all this well it could be and this is again grain of salt but it could be that what we're getting with raw this would be my own bias by the way which i yeah possibly not correct at all um but my own bias would be that the raw material would be the unveiled version say of the historical uh, march and evolutionary history of the solar system. And we see the different cultures on earth intuiting parts of this. Um, So for me, like whenever I have this, the kind of the larger puzzle piece that raw gives us, and then I see the different cultural pieces for me, the way my mind works is that I can see how it would fit here. This one fits here and this one fits here and it creates a great mosaic, but I don't see it um, in contradiction to what law of one says. I see it sort of fleshing out the larger outline that the material seems to give. Um, that's, right. that's one way I look at it, but um, I'm free to be wrong. And the most important thing of course is, what Ra says, and that there is a nature of spiritual evolution, writ large, solar system, or writ small, in our own personal life. And uh, that's what we have to glean from, I think. The cycle of bellicosity. I think that's that's the theme. That is the universal theme is the perennial knowledge. Yeah. And for the most part, if you look at origin stories, they talk about, you know, um, a progression of evolution they talk about cycles of destruction and and then you know one step backwards two step forward so there's also cyclical aspects that are there yeah um that are that are in you know i mean in in the origin stories of the vedas the the uh, cyclical cycles of of uh, evolution on the planet they call them yugas are mind-boggling you know they're geological in nature you know, were souls really here? Maybe these are the souls that were here. They came from other dimensions because it doesn't seem like, you know, what we know from science and anthropology, you know, that <laughs> we had homo sapiens going back as far as some of these yugas go. So, so this stuff may go back to Mars or Venus mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you know, into those dimensions of time and space. And also, he's, you know, DeMarcus is right. You know, the qualities of Mars and Venus are, are the qualities that are in, you know, the, the history of astrology in the West and in, in the East, both. That's the universality to it. And we're also discovering, aren't we, science right now, we're discovering that there was water on Mars, that there was water on Venus, yeah. and, and, uh, that science is cooperating a, t- a basic timeline that seems to be in the law of one of when Venus would have lost the water, which would have been right um, at the end of Ra's third density, the 2.8 billion years. And that when Mars lost the water uh, and all of that would have been cooperated in the law of one too. Um, so that's also fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Earth is a third density repeater psychology that the psychology that we have this uh, ensconcing ourselves in this bellicosity is the great issue that we have. But it's also the great opportunity for something new that's never been seen before, maybe in the in something new, you know, coming through um, a new way to. Uh, unite and who knows what's going to happen, but it's also a beautiful opportunity for something new to happen. Oh, yes. Does anyone have any, uh, any other questions or thoughts? 
I was going to ask a question, but I saw Barbara had unmuted and was going to try to say something earlier. And I was okay. curious if you. No, go ahead. I'm I'm still processing my, my stuff. <laughs> well, I, I just have a lot of questions, so it's it's hard to grasp some of this, but. Um, in general, um, it seems like Earth has a stronger veil, right? So I'm just curious, is there an overall, and maybe you said I just missed it, but like, it seemed like Venus and Mars, at least maybe they didn't say it, but there was one population that was there and Earth has so many more people coming or people groups or whatever. And, but yet we are, it seems like, I mean, except for Mars blowing it up, I guess we have had a hard time. Like, I think I remember reading somewhere that earth has not harvested hardly anybody in the first two major cycles. And anyway, I don't know if it's just interesting to see. So it, it is, they, they talk about the reason why earth is just so different and how the different populations and everyone's coming here and, and everything. So that would give a reason as to why these 16 populations saw Earth as a great candidate. Um, they just tell us that they did and that they chose to, um, when, when a population needs to repeat their density, then they look at other third density planets that are just beginning their density. And so I guess coincidentally, Earth's third density aligned with a lot of ending third densities. And so, like I said, we're not giving the reason why they chose Earth, but we just know that they did choose Earth and came here. And in terms yeah. of the veiling, Venus was the only planet that enjoyed a slightly thinner veil. We know that um, here on Earth, Mars and Maldek, we all had, we all experienced pretty thick veil. You know, the way I look at this a little bit is that, you know, we can really get caught up in the drama of, you know, our solar system and all the various types of personalities and archetypes and layers of evolution and it's a little overwhelming sometimes and uh you know but you know if you look at the history of rome you look at the history of this south american cultures it's a little overwhelming too they you know all different types of cultures crash into each other reform take revenge evolve etc etc and probably when you think about it um everything's going as it should go you know, I mean, we're trying to piece it together from our own consciousness and from what, you know, the raw channeling and, and you know, these people have been able to gather. But this is probably an evolving process like any ecosystem, you know, a forest or a jungle or, you know, you know, and it's and our, you know, our solar system within our space, within this uh, galaxy is doing what it's supposed to do. And probably every, you know, in, on an infinite level, we don't like to think about infinity. You can only, you know, it's overwhelming. But, you know, probably there's, a, you know, this is happening over and over again forever. And there's qualities of Mars and Venus and Uranus and bellicosity and this and that everywhere. It's just like, you know, these are the elements of sentient life, just like you have the elements of material life. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. What I would just wonder about from your mm -hmm. statement there, maybe a nuance, is that there does seem to be a trajectory. And so where I would um, not see as the entire universe, say, having the same kind of thing, and this is part of sentient life, that there seems to be just this massive macro progression there's a telos here of uh, greater and greater complexities that have a an arc there's there's a there's a movement of having actual is like having wholeness and unity which is always and everywhere true being made manifest and then mm -hmm. from that area discovering ways to create wholeness in an actualized form and it, that progression keeps moving so that as Ra says the creator is a creature that learns upon a macro scale 
And learning would suggest a progression in that all of the uh, cosmic laws would not support um, a kind of eddies, cosmic eddies that, that cycles that have no uh, arc and movement, but rather more spirals because the creator itself in and through and as every entity and the relationships between entities, the creator itself is arcing into greater and greater complexity. So that that's what I would say is that, sure, there's lots of bellicosity and things like this, um, but there's always going to be a resolution. Love wins. Unity is the nature. So there's nothing but unity come to incarnation and then incarnation expressing unity and then choosing to become one. That's that's the arc that seems to be universal. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I that that was the point I was making that this play is happening over and over again in an infinite way. Yeah. And and then you have the idea of the cycle of you know you arc up, spiral up, spiral up, spiral up, and then it collapse into wholeness, pure simplicity, and then it starts all over again. And you know you can you can look at the idea of of uh, the singularity of the void and then the big bang comes out of it and then at some point collapse back into the void and that's you know the inf- and that's you know the hum of the universe ohm yeah the vibration it's the hum of the universe ohm is represents the infinite dynamism of silence of expressing collapsing expressing collapsing experiencing silencing experiencing silencing yeah ross says that it's like a great heartbeat yeah and so you know but it's fun it's our job and we're here for the show and to figure out our origin see where we came from see where we're going and to have as much self-awareness in this process as we can absolutely um barbara did you have a question no, not really. I mean, I was just, you know, when we talked about the water system, I was thinking my dad would have been 100 years old if he had lived um, um, this this next month. And I was just thinking about something he, he said to me many, many years ago, um, because he was an Air Force and fighter pilot and whatnot, and part of the intelligence community, he just had a really colorful life. And and uh, he shared with, you know, we think about ways to destroy this p- planet or, um, you know, or a certain population with either like we do today, traditionally with the, the tanks and the missiles and the bombs and whatever. And, but he did mention the water system to me. And um, that, for some reason, that stuck in my mind, what he said about could happen there. Um, the other thing I was just relating to a little bit, only because, it, it, you know, I participated in a Bible study and we're looking at Genesis right now and kind of moving through the Bible. And I was thinking about, OK, and, and it's just, you know, trying to uh, tie things that were shared here today in terms of creation uh, with everything. I'm just sharing my thoughts. I'm not be, you know coming to a particular point, but um and, and then I was thinking about, you were talking the origin stories, and my mind went off to say, well, I don't know, I don't, I haven't studied any of those. And I said, but I wonder if there's still that common, some sort of commonality that feeds through all of them that I have, that I seem to see up here. Um, and, I, and I don't know that. I don't, maybe Doug, you do, but a little more broadly read than I am, but. So just more questions or more, it was just very thought provoking for me. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite, <clears throat> my favorite correlation is in Genesis where God says that us make man in our image that ties directly to Yahweh genetically cloning mm-hmm. and altering the um, vehicle for the incoming Martians. Yeah. I'd also say that all of this drama, this cosmic drama, as we've pointed out here, is found 
every single day in our life. And it's the little catalyst every single day. You'd think we'd get the point. <laughs> Ross said a million times, it's how do you use the catalyst efficiently that come to you uh, so that we can choose what to do with them. And then um, if we're choosing the positive path to allow to see them a 360 view and then to do some form of loving action, you know, and set ba and boundaries. If, and that could be the loving action is to set healthy boundaries. Uh, thankfully, it seems like psychology saying this good spiritual direction is saying this um, different channel sources are saying this. So we are getting it in all different kinds of perspectives now. So whatever we talked about tonight, and DeMarcus did a home run as usual in this presentation, is a huge macro view of what is very true in every single day in our life. And so we, we can be awed and in wonder about the history and UFOs and aliens, but the truth is, is that it's not that hard to see the cosmic drama playing out if you just want to open the eyes and see what happens when you drive on the highway <laughs> go or go to walmart yeah, yeah. So I can tag on to that you know a lot of people who did destroy their third densities like i said i mentioned earlier are still trying to reconcile or alleviate and balance that out so we definitely like i said still see that being played out and people are still trying to do with that as daily catalyst. Amen. That's right. Any last thoughts or questions or anything before we wrap up? Really great. A lot of food for thought. Yeah. You're a great mm -hmm. teacher, Demarcus. Thank you all. Um, do you want me to find somebody to close it down, or did you have a prayer you wanted to do? No, I'll close it. It's been a while. All right, if everyone could please close their eyes and just take a minute to clear the mind and connect with the Creator. Infinite Creator, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the opportunity to gather and to share in your love and your light. We thank you for the opportunity to fulfill your original purpose and mission, which was to learn and to experience the self as self teaches self and serve self learns from self. Um, we thank you for the opportunity to learn from one another and to discuss, to discuss these things and to grow spiritually, um, collectively. We thank you for all that you've done, what you're doing and what you will do. And if everyone could repeat after me, I am. I am. The infinite creator. The infinite creator. Manifested into flesh. Manifested into flesh. I am. I am. And I am infinity. I am infinity. Experiencing itself. Experiencing itself. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you, Brother Demarcus. Um, hopefully, everybody can come next uh, Tuesday. We'll be doing a Law of One session. God bless everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Demarcus. Good job. Thank you all. Bye. Thank you. Yes. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.